Today, we're going to journey to joy. The first week in our series, we journeyed to hope, which Jesus brought hope to a world that was dark and lost. The second week, we brought in and we started talking about a journey to love. Hey, you guys probably see that. Um, A journey to love. And so, understanding that the love God has for us isn't like the world's love. It's an unconditional, no strings attached, I'm pursuing you love that you can't earn. And then this week we're going to talk about joy. How to be joyful even when things don't make sense. Because sometimes in life, things happen, things don't make sense, and we question why. And so today we're going to find out how can we have joy. You can turn it off if you want, otherwise I'm going to tell you it's Isaiah 9 I'm looking at and reading from this morning. It says, starting in verse 2, and this is where the whole series came from. It says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep deep darkness, a light will shine. Then if you jump down to verse 6, it says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. His rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. And the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. All right, so that's the main verse. We're going to dig in to joy. We're going to journey to joy. And what did joy mean on that first Christmas? What was Jesus coming in a manger? How did that bring joy? It doesn't make a lot of sense the way the world looks at joy. And as as we continue to walk through this this morning, we have to remember Advent, the whole Advent time of the year, Advent means coming. Okay? So we're expecting something to happen. That's why this is a journey to the manger, is we're expecting something great to happen. But the beauty that we have today is we get to also look forward to to him coming back for us. So we get to look back and see him coming for us, and then get to look forward and see him coming for us. And so we live in the not yet. Okay? That's where we're living today. And that's what excites me. The possibilities are endless of what Jesus can do. They have no bounds except by us. And so our main verse today is going to be in Philippians 4.4. I'll give you a second to find that. Philippians 4.4, easy verse to memorize. I'm willing to bet if you've ever been to vacation Bible school, you've memorized this verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So Paul is telling the Philippians here, whether you're down and out, whether you're going through problems, whether you're having a great day, or whether you're having an awesome time in life, always rejoice and understand Jesus is walking with you through it. You're never alone. That's why we can rejoice at all times. And we're going to get into a little bit later here. Joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit, which means it's empowered by the Holy Spirit as we mature. And so it's not, we sometimes confuse joy and happiness. We sometimes say, how can I be joyful if I'm not happy? 
Well, our joy isn't based on our circumstances. It's based on a person. And that's how we can be joyful at all times. Now, I'll be happy. I'll be sad. All those emotions will go all over the place. I'll have a bad day. You know, my emotions will be in the dumps. I'll be angry. I'll be frustrated. I'll be, ha- I'll be all over the place emotionally. But the joy that the Holy Spirit wants to place inside me can keep me steady. And so when I start looking at and I start studying Scripture and what joy really wants to produce in me, it's finding joy in all situations. And so as we start to look at joy today, as we've done in weeks past, we're going to look at definitions. The first one I found was in the Collins Dictionary. And it says, joy is a great, our feeling of great happiness. A joy is something or someone that makes you feel happy or gives you great pleasure. Now, like our other definitions of love and our other definitions of hope, it's always based on someone else doing something for me to make me feel a certain way about me. It's selfish. In other words, if my wife makes me happy, then I can be joyful. If my wife shows me love, then I can love her. If my wife encourages me, then I can have hope. Well, that will all go up and down by how my friends or relatives treat me. But the hope and joy that Jesus talks about says joy isn't, it's similar to happiness, but it isn't based upon our happenings. It isn't based on people. It's not based on whether things are going right. Joy remains in the midst of our suffering. Joy is an emotion that is acquired by the anticipation and acquisition or even the expectation of something great or wonderful. So when you came in here this morning, did you walk in expecting God to do something great this morning? You want more joy? Expect God to do something. If you walk in thinking, oh, I just don't know what's going to happen this morning. I'm going to come in, sing my song, sit here, listen to a message, and then I'm going to go home. You won't have any joy. Because guess what? I'm not here for you. You're not here for me. We're here to see what God's going to do. That's why we come together. Now, God has placed me in this place to help go in a certain direction with all of us. But whether or not you meet with God isn't based on what I do or shouldn't be. It should be based on you seeking and expecting God to do something great this morning for you. So when I come in and when I pray for people, I expect God to show up and do something. You know when God shows up? When we get desperate with our back against the wall and cry out to him. Because then he will, he, we let him show up. Up until that point, we control everything, don't we? Am I happy? Am I sad? We control it. Then we get desperate and all of a sudden it's cry out to God. So joy isn't happiness, but it is similar because true joy will bring true happiness. And so Christian joy is a good feeling, but it's in the soul. It's produced by the Holy Spirit. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit, and it causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. So joy is a permanent possession while happiness is fleeting. Joy stays while happiness comes and goes. 
And so when we understand our joy isn't based on our circumstances, it's based on who God says he is and who God says we are in him. I no longer have to look to my spouse to make me feel better about me. Jesus already said I'm special because of who he is. Now that will cause me to treat my wife differently. It will cause you to treat your friends differently. Because when you understand who you are, you no longer care as much about what they think. It's why Jesus, I truly believe why Jesus could do what he did. Jesus could be who he was because he knew who he was. He knew he was the son of God and that never left his mind. No matter what the Pharisees said, no matter what the religious leaders said, no matter what they said about his birth in a manger, he knew who he was, and he was solid in that fact. And when we start understanding we are children of the living God, we are joint heirs with Christ, when we start understanding that we have the resources of heaven to be used at our disposal to reach people, because it's not those resources aren't for me. They're for me to reach people. We start having a joy that goes beyond what we see because we know who Christ is in us. And we know, we know who Christ is in us, he can start to throw, flow through us. Until we reach that point, we can't let him flow. We'll stop him all the time. And so when we believe God is in control of everything, when we believe he's in control of even all the smallest details of our lives, we can be confident that he is always at work to draw us closer to him in all situations. Not only will that drive us to praise him, it will also bring us true joy. When we understand that I can't, and I heard a statement the other day, and I just love it. The more we try to control a situation, the more out of control that situation gets. So the more I try to control my family, the more out of control my family will get. But if I can step back and understand God's ultimately in control of it all and let him work what he needs to do, I'm less stressed and I have joy. Because I can't control it. I can't control anyone else except me. And I can't even control me half the time. So thinking about joy, just quickly I'm going to give you a minute. In your mind, what's your definition of joy? And so real quick as you were thinking about it, is it a constant state of happiness? Is that what joy means to you? What are some things joy meant to you as you just thought real quickly about it? Just go ahead and holler them out. Jesus, that's a good one. You guys can't top that one, so I'm sorry. But how about somebody else? Sparklies. Hope. Now, if it's that constant state of happiness, y'all know that person that's just annoying. There always seems to be always peppy. There's always, hoo-hoo, yay! It just drives you absolutely insane. Even they can't be happy all the time. Even if they try, they will show it in public, but behind closed doors, whole nother ball game. And so we need to understand 
if we take a realistic look at what Scripture says about being joyful, Rick Warren wrote this definition out as he studied what joy meant in the Bible. He says, joy is settled, is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. So when you're going through stuff and you understand God's in control, you can praise him, and in, in reaction to that, he's going to give you a joy deep inside that doesn't make sense. Because we've all heard churches and pastors say, have you ever had somebody just say, you know, have you ever seen that person that just always seems to have joy and you don't know why? Because we want people to be drawn to us, right? Are people drawn to somebody who's cranky all the time? No. They're not even drawn to somebody who walks around with that peppy attitude all the time. But they are drawn to people who have a quiet confidence in who they are and a joy that doesn't make sense in a situation that they should be upset about. And when we can understand the joy that we talk about is the assurance of who Christ is in us. It's the assurance of that manger. And Psalm 33, 20 through 22 says this in the Message Bible. We're depending on God. He's everything we need. What's more, our hearts brim with joy since we've taken for our own his holy name. Love us, God, with all that you've got. That's what we're depending on. And so we, we look at that and we say, we're depending on God He's everything we need. So when you're going through a situation, do you go to friends and complain, or do you go to God understanding he's got the answer? Now understand it may not be the answer you want. And then our hearts fill with joy because we've taken on his name. Understand this morning, he has written his name on every one of you. That's, he created you. So he has written his name on you. And he said, I've got you. Just come back to me. You make a mistake, sweet, come back. You don't think you're good enough? I paid that price for you at the cross. You think you've made a bunch of mistakes? Jesus covered that. That's why he came at the manger. You're living in a dark place in a dark world right now and you're just not sure how you're going to get out of it? Understand the light of the world is coming. He's come, and he's coming again. And that's the star we're following this Christmas season, is the light that shone brighter than anything else, and people knew there was change coming. They just knew it. I mean, you think about it. You're shepherds out in the middle of the field watching your flock. We talked about this a little bit last week. In Luke 2.10, it says, do not be afraid when they showed up. How many of you guys would be afraid if angels just showed up? I'd be like, good night, what is going on here? Little guys hanging up in the sky, all lights all around him, everything going on. He says, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which is for all people. Okay, so these guys are shepherding their sheep. I guess that's what shepherds do, is they shepherd sheep. Um, <laughs> they're just hanging out. All of a sudden, this dude shows up. And you know it had to be really cool. Every place I've read in the Bible when people have come face-to-face -face with God, 
they fall in face down in worship. These shepherds did something different. These dudes left. They got up to find that baby to worship. They didn't stay where they were. They said, okay, if this great joy is coming, we're stepping. And they saw the star, and they started following it. Now understand, this is their livelihood. Their sheep, well, how they made their money. And these angels said, behold, great joy is here. They got up and left it all and just walked. So what's the great joy that they were speaking of? Good news of great joy. Middle of the night, what are they speaking of? And so, like some of us today, when we meet a little bit with Jesus, we start walking and we start looking into his word because we want to find out what this great joy is. We flip a few pages. See, we got the book. These shepherds didn't have the book. They had to go figure it out for themselves. The great joy that they spoke of was that the Savior of the world had come. They no longer had to work for salvation. They no longer had to bring sacrifices to the table. They no longer had to fear about not being invited to the party. Because Jesus said, if anyone would follow me. And so the Holy Spirit says through Luke here, and if you read that last part, it's for all people. It wasn't a certain group. It wasn't people who had their lives cleaned up. It wasn't people who had it all together. It was for all people. When Jesus came, it was for all his creation. It wasn't just for the religious people. It wasn't just because they said a nice little prayer and thought they might be saved. It was to understand that Jesus is the Savior of the world, and we all needed it. Because I'm never going to be good enough on my own. No matter how hard I try, no matter if I sit and lock myself in a room and read the Bible 24 hours a day and pray 24 hours a day and do all that, I'm never good enough. And that's why Jesus came. And Jesus didn't come to save me to sit in a room. This is where our third step in who we are as a church comes into play. Jesus saved me to give hope to other people. And so, as we wrap up this morning, I'm going to give you three steps. If you think about it in Scripture, and we see what Jesus did for others, how to be joyful in all situations. So joy, the first step in joy, in joy and, and attaining joy is knowing who you are. You have been saved by grace. It is a gift from God so that none of us can boast we're his children. 
The first step in understanding joy is knowing you've been bought by Jesus, for Jesus. Because scripture says all things were created through him and for him. And so when we understand who we are, that I'm a son of the Most High, I can have joy in most situations. Now notice I said most. It's why we need this next step. The next step in being joyful all the time is learning to live from his presence. Understand, we go back to the story of Mary and Martha. When Mary is running all over the place, making sandwiches Jesus never ordered, and Mary was sitting at his feet, and Martha gets upset and says, Jesus, tell her to help me. And what was Jesus' response? She's chosen the better to live in my presence. And when we understand we can live in the presence of God and work from that presence and not for that presence, we're free to be joyful in all situations because God is with us. And that's what Emmanuel stands for when it calls Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. And so understand God is living in and through each one of you this morning if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And he wants to give you a life that goes beyond your own understanding because you live from his presence. And when his presence is going with you, atmospheres change. It's just plain and simple. When Jesus showed up, not even dead people could stay dead. Think about it. In the Bible, Jesus ruined every funeral he went to. Not one person stayed dead when he went there. And so when we walk into situations at school, at work, with our friends, and we're carrying the presence of God with us, that atmosphere will change so Jesus can change things. And so when we know who we are, is we're his children, and we're living from his presence, the third step in being joyful all the time is serving others. You look at the life of Jesus and what Jesus did, it was about serving other people and meeting needs. Jesus said, I did not come to save the religious people, I became to save the lost, right? I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. That's Jesus' words. Remember red letters. Remember, those are important in your Bible. Just like on your bills. If they're red letters, they're important. Red words in the Bible, important. Jesus said it. And so we, we mimic the life of Jesus Jesus knew who he was. He was all about doing the Father's will. He was all about spending time with God and then working from that presence and then went out and served others. And that's who we're called to be as a church as we journey through joy, through hope, and next week we're going to journey to peace before we journey to the unexpected. And I'm telling you, that manger on Christmas morning was an unexpected place for the King of Kings to be born. Nobody knew it was coming. And so invite your friends because you're going to freak people out that Sunday morning when we truly meet with Jesus and understand that he left who he was to come to earth to live a sinless life and go through everything we went through to be born poor in a manger. We think we got it bad. Now we're not going into the doctrinal fights about was it a cave, was it a barnyard. We're not going into any of that. It said he was born in a manger and wrapped in swaddling clothes and that's what we're going with. Because the king of kings left heaven to be born in a manger, in a feeding trough, to say, guess what? I love you this much, and I'm going to send my son, and he's going to die for you. And if we can't get excited about that with people, we're missing the point of the gospel. 
You want to share the gospel with people. I've said it before. It's a manger. It's a cross. It's an empty tomb. There, you got three steps. I just gave you three steps to share the gospel with people. Jesus came, was born in a manger. Jesus died on a cross for your sins, and Jesus rose from the dead to give you life. I gave you like a 30-second testimony for people. It's that simple. Don't make this difficult. Jesus didn't. That's why I truly believe he came to be born in a manger. Because he wanted to understand it's simple. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest.